Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 1420 The Watch Clicker Podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? Just amazing. Just kicking so much asses. And um, yeah, here I am. So much asses. You got a good shape today. Your mustache is looking especially pronounced. Yeah. 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 Hey, you got a good shave. <laughs> well, that's how I'm doing. That's yeah. That's the extent of it. I am interested in a mustache ride. Maybe <laughs> on air, but certainly later. Uh, Andrew, how are you? I'm good. I'm a little worn out. We have a uh, third birthday happening tomorrow. So things have just been kind of a little hectic. And this week is a trash week for Sam. So she's got like late meetings, early meetings, late meetings, early meetings. Mm hmm. Which means that, unlike usual, of having like a pretty good routine, my routine is is broken. Sure. Which is exhausting. Like if just one thing is out of place, that it fucking call me done. I'm that's it. I don't I don't do changes in in, in routine well. So this has been a significant change in routine. The our little is turning three in the morning, or tomorrow. It's birthday tomorrow. So there's been like stacked on top of Christmas preparations, birthday preparations. It's been kind of just a big week. But it's going, and I'm really good. Because everyone's been, but me, everyone but me, has been really agreeable to all the goings on. It's really just been a me problem. So, you know, whatever, just a me problem. Yeah, it's a you problem. It's a, it's Everything's a me problem, too, in my life. Everything's a me problem. Um, But, yeah, yeah. We we uh we did hang we did do Christmas decorations. You uh publicly you publicly criticized me for my lack of Christmas decorations last week. And, and would have I, continued to do so. To that I say fuck right off. Mm-hmm. I got on the roof, asshole. Uh house is decorated. Looks very nice. And you left my ladder on my front porch so that people could break into my house. Correct. I actually Someone took it down, but I had extended it right to your bedroom window. And, and that's how I got in. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? I realized that I'm probably too old to hang Christmas lights on uh, the tippy top of a second story gable. The key is to like find a repeatable solution, right? Like they make those things that that slide under your gutters that, that mm-hmm. you're, you're they're like little L shaped brackets and your Christmas lights hook into them and they slide under your gutters and you, you push them up with a, a stick of sorts, like just some kind of pole. But the problem is then you have to pull them down and that whole, that whole apparatus down. I mean, the real solution is something that's repeatable. So I've always done a series of hooks. Just get up, throw my lights on the hooks and that's just not it anymore. But I, I'm with you. I think I'm either going to pay to get the year-round LED strips installed this year mm-hmm. or just in the future account for having to pay somebody to come and hang Christmas lights. Yeah, I, I think for me it would be the latter. Um, the There's something about the, the LED Christmas strips that don't feel quite the same to me. They're not quite right, but if you accompany it with other accoutrements, yeah. it's tolerable. Yeah, I, I'm sort of anti-accoutrement, so... Uh, yeah. In, in the meantime, I hung my ass out on the roof and I felt fairly safe the entire time, but it's just like the, a level of discomfort that I was, 
Um, it's just uncomfortable enough that I thought, you know, your, your roof isn't that pitched. It's just quite tall. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's right. There was uh, it was never a time when I think I was actually unsafe or in danger. But I mean, you're in danger the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. A- anytime you're, you you're know, on a roof, 25, 30 feet up in the air, you're you're in danger. So, uh, did you watch our neighbor put on his LED strips when he did it? Nope. He, I don't know if he bought or rented the uh, like a full harness get down. And it mounts to the inside of the window because he can access his roof from his window. Yeah, Tyler. Yeah, th- no, that he bought that. He, he offered me to let me use it. Oh, so he got he mounted it up in a in his window, and then he buckled in and was out on the roof, full harnessed up. And I would expect nothing less from him. He's a, was, he's a dentist, by yeah, the way. He's, he's a smart a, guy. Yeah. He he knows that if he falls off the roof, he loses the house. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But I just I don't have any good uh, windows to access my roof from. Otherwise, I would have done the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the house looks very nice. It does. It looks festive, classy. I'm happy with it. Um, I'm not super excited about three weeks taking them down. But hey, we deal with that when when the time comes. Yeah. Um, or don't. It, Your lights are pretty discreet when the lights are off. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, however. We're not talking about Christmas lights. This is not turned into a Christmas light podcast. It could. We're sort of out of things, though. We'll whiteboard it. Yeah, <laughs> we've sort of exhausted the topic. Um, we'll, we'll whiteboard it. Uh, however, this is a podcast about watches, and today we're talking about watches. Mm-hmm. We're talking about watches. Finally. And specifically, we're talking about a company, an American company, sort of, that's gone by many names, but most recently has gone by the name Timex, Mm -hmm. which, fun fact, Timex is, what do they call it when you take two words and smash them together? Not anagram. Uh, Conjunction? It's a mashup of the (laughs) words time and, I'm not joking, Kleenex. Mm-hmm. Kleenex. Timex is... Time Kleenex. Wipe your nose <laughs> of that bitch. Uh, which, gosh, man. Uh, if we only knew what we know now. Uh, Timex, the Kleenex watch company, is an American company. And they've been around, man. Uh, starting in the, in the 1850s, uh, a brass manufacturer out of Connecticut started working on timepieces specifically uh what do you call those things pocket watches pocket watches yeah pocket watches brass pocket watches and basically since the beginning the american time company uh later merged with ingersoll uh since basically the beginning timex's shtick has been cheap watches mm-hmm the most affordable watches on the face of the earth. And they're, in fact, they had a $1 pocket watch that was said to have, said to have been the watch that made the dollar famous or the buck famous. So, uh, buck a watch, literally a dollar, um, which, a dollar in whatever this was, the 1930s. This is probably, yeah. Yeah. Or 20s, you know, a dollar went a lot further than it does today. But we're talking about, you know, 
maybe at most five gallons of milk. Still the cheapest watch on the face of the earth. And so Timex has always done affordability. And that's always been their play. And that's a tough game to play. It's a tough game for a a company that's competing with larger margin competitors Mm -hmm. to stay ahead. And amazingly, Timex, I think, is perhaps the cockroach of the watch industry. I think... And I don't that say that. It's a bit pejorative, right? And I don't mean it to disparage <clears throat> Timex because I think that it's a, in this context, it's a noble attribute, right? Yes. They just don't die. And they can't. They just don't die. They can't. They won't. They survived the wars. All of them. They survived. And in this context, really, moving. They survived. The war, and, the great wars. Thurvi- and, and thrived. <laughs> they <laughs> thrived. Through the quartz crisis? No, they survived the quartz crisis, which in and of itself is notable. Yeah. But but not not for not for nothing, right? I mean, they, like basically everybody else in the world, almost died, right? Casio and Seiko really they, almost shut everybody down, including Timex. Mm-hmm. And it took the Bill Clinton watch, the Iron Man... <laughs> To bring Timex back from the brink of certain failure again, again, it's Timex between between the Iron Man and Indiglo, and the Dollar Pocket Watch, and their wartime efforts. Timex has always just managed, just managed to survive. Never been, never been the epicenter of hot horology. Never will be, or even anything close. No. Uh, they flirted with their they flirted with their good design, but never really been on the bleeding edge. They've uh, yeah they've they've never pushed the envelope. They've ridden the wave, and yet they're always there. Always. When you and I got into watches, Andrew. We sort of came through the F seventy one affordables forum, mm-hmm. and Timex was there, right? Timex was there. the The expedition, the brass plated expeditions, always been a player. He's always been a dude at the party, right? That's right. He's just never been hosting it. He's never <laughs> been the center of it. He's just always been at the party. We've talked about Iron Man, the Iron Man, a lot on the show. In fact, in in our earlier episodes. It's one of my favorite watches. We often talked about that watch as kind of like the 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 watch, right? It, it remains it, so to me. If you want to watch and you want to be able to do everything, you want to watch to climb to the top of Everest or swim to the bottom of the sea or whatever the fuck you're doing, go get a 200-meter Ironman, right? Yeah. It's going to outlive you. It's going to have all the functions, complications. I, I mean, really, in some ways... Timex is the distillation of actual tool watchmaking, if yeah. if we dare say such a thing. They've had and 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 really, when we were getting into it, you had two other Timex watches that were always in the mix. One of those being the Waterbury, which mm-hmm. was kind of the new kid in town, right? Mm-hmm. This is their modern, like fancy shit like this is our fancy shit still 90 bucks right and and then they had the weekender which 
in some ways, The Weekender was kind of like the affordable watch for the everyman. Like, don't mm-hmm. get a Daniel Wellington. Don't get an MVMT. Go yeah, yeah. buy yourself a Weekender. Yeah. You're going to spend less and get better quality. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure the latter is true, although that does seem to be a popular sentiment. You know, really crappy plated brace case, uh, plated brass cases, terrible movements, you know, terrible noisy movements, not terrible because oh. they're not accurate, but terrible because they're a freaking I've never, pain in the ass to I'm, live with. I've never looked it up, but there's a, there's a name for the, the, um, timestamp clacker used on movie sets. Yeah. That is the sound that your date wheel makes in a transition on yeah. any Timex. Yeah. Snap. Oh, new day. And so in some ways, in some ways, and and then there were, I mean, obviously, Timex has 8 billion SKUs at any given time. So that's not all there was, but those seem to be the players. And then you had other, they were know. the those were the players that were, that were existed in the watch person conversation, right? Because there's, sure. there's 10,000 SKUs. There's, there's no getting around that. Yeah. But those three watches existed in the, these are cool and there's a reason they're cool. And it's not just because we think they're cool. There's actual coolness here, right? You could yeah. you could pick any one of Timex's excuse and look at it and be like, <laughs> "This has some cool things." Yeah, but those three watches are they're are kind of the four watches, really. Yeah, four watches are are really kind of what found all the things we look for in cool watches but in some ways but in some ways and i think this is a fair point andrew this was this was the end of that era of timex and it yeah because you 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 know you and i i think in particular i have lamented so i I owned an easy reader so it was actually my law school watches so watch about in law school and i wore it it was the pewter dial I don't know what they call it, but it was the easy reader with the pewter colored dial. And I, I really liked that watch. I really enjoyed it. It did all the things I wanted it to do. Um, and I showered with it. I mean, I wore that watch constantly for four or five years. And it was you good. You were in law school for five years? No, no, I wasn't. Uh, uh, but it, yeah, I did wear that watch for about four or five years, almost constantly. And, and so it, it it was both good and also terrible, right? It, it was super noisy. Yep. It was um plated brass, which I hate and I've lamented this. Plated brass is is the bane of the watch's existence. And, and Timex has this long history with plated brass watches from its very source as a company. It was a brass company. So Timex has a long relationship with brass. I find a brass watch, a plated brass watch to be completely not worth my time. It creates a really cool opportunity for aging. (laughs) It It does. It creates a really cool opportunity for patina. And if the watch is built such that it is expected to patina rather than be thrown in the landfill, it's a really cool thing. But Timex's watches are disposable watches. Yeah, that's right. Up to that point, and and you know time will tell maybe even up to up to now they were meant to be disposable 
And I will say my Timex, my easy reader does not function today. It doesn't work. The date wheel stopped working and now the whole thing doesn't work. Well, it's disposable. It, Throw it, it away, buy a new one. That's right. $45. I think it was less than that when I bought it and probably less than that even now. So um, all that to say, and I think this sort of catches us up to current. Yes. We, we've not given a full... We've not given a full history of Timex because there's some very cool things. And Timex deserves a full history. We haven't done one, which is a little bit shocking. And, and and we will. We will. We've previewed this now. We'll come back to this because there are some cool things. Uh, Mickey Mouse Watch. Andrew's, Andrew's favorite. God. <laughs> Fuck. Timex is a very neat company for a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with Mickey Mouse or Snoopy. Or, or, or urology, even. That's right. That's right. So we'll come back to it. However, we are going to now flash forward to circa 2018, 2019, mm-hmm. um, when I think the modern iteration of Timex really started. Because I think Timex is now several years into a market pivot. Um, An uh, essential market pivot. Yeah. Like a whole watch world market pivot. And we talked about this Two years ago, when we started seeing Seiko drop skews, when we started seeing the consolidation of things down into the Seiko 5 world, it created this vacuum. And we said, say, or we said, Timex is going to fill it. They haven't. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't. Our hot take was a little cool, but they're working toward it. Not as fast as we would have hoped, because I wanted to see Seiko drop or Timex drop two dozen Seiko replacing SKUs. But they've done a thing, and they made a huge pivot in that 2018-2019 timeline with the Marlin drop, mm. with the Q Timex reissue. I think it really starts with the Marlin. Marlin. The Marlin right? is was their pivot point. They said, "Hey, look, we have a thing here. We have this deep catalog." There is a market that exists for this affordable, hand-wound watch. And they tried it. And it worked. Because unlike during the quartz crisis, the general consumer is okay with things, right? Outside of the watch world. You might hear my dog barking. My wife just got home. Outside of the watch the watch world, the general consumer is okay with like boutique things. Like hipsters like oddities. And in the general consensus, having to wind a watch is a bit of an oddity. So a hand-winding watch played to what the watch world wanted from Timex. And it kind of filled this interesting world that Timex was trying to dip its toes into, which was the cool bit, right? They weren't just experimenting anymore with huge mass market. I want to make 10 million of these to sell 9 million of them. And then the rest will sit on shelves. Because that's what Timex was. Timex was a economy of force, right? It was all volume sales. It almost didn't matter the price point because they were making a killing on every single sale. And by a killing, I mean like two to three cents. <laughs> but fast pennies are better than slow nickels. And that was Timex's business model. Fast, fast, fast fucking pennies. 
I don't need slow nickels. I want all the fast pennies. And they tried to capitalize on every single fast penny market. We've got Snoopy. We've got Mickey. We've got every single cartoon iteration you can imagine. Every single sports team. Everything. Timex has collaborated with everything. They have every single possible logo you can imagine. Every single colorway. Everything. They want the fast pennies. But with the introduction of the Marlin, they bumped their price point up. The Marlin came out at what, like 200 bucks? Maybe. That sounds right. Which was, I think, their most expensive watch by two or three times. At least their most expensive, like, analog watch, yeah. They may have had some more expensive, fancy schmancy Timex or Iron Man shit or whatever. Perhaps. Yeah. But they dipped their toes into the slow dime market. And they landed it, right? They reached back into their catalog with this really classically styled, very simple, very like vintage-inspired watch in this moment of vintage mania where everyone wanted vintage shit, where like, you know, rappers are making songs about thrift shopping. Right. And they landed it. Yeah, they did it right, too. They they kept, they, I mean, the sizing was good. The, you, you, you know, they, they hit on a, they hit on something earlier than a lot of these, these big brands tend to be a little tone deaf to mm-hmm. trends. Um, maybe some of that purposefully. And I think a, a lot of that just by way of not being tuned in. Oh, and, they're just not nimble, right? They, they plan their production two, three years in advance. Yeah. And the Marlin felt to me, um, tuned in, in a way that was surprising. And I think that that's what really caught people by surprise is, oh, this is a thoughtful and uh, trend-appropriate watch from this brand that has not been plugged in for so long. And then they followed it up with the Q-Timex, which I think fair to call that watch a smash success, right? Smash, you couldn't buy it. Yeah. Normal people couldn't buy it. Never mind watch people. Yeah, you this did was, you did you buy yours over retail, Andrew? No, I bought mine at retail from the Timex website. And you've got the Pepsi Q Timex. And I bought it on a whim because I'd known it had been sold out. And I must have gone onto the Timex website on a restock day. Because I went to look at it just for whatever reason. I was like, oh, this is in stock. Bye. Bye. And I got it. Because in the weeks leading up to it, this is at $180, I think, was retail-ish. These were going secondhand, like brand new in box. And even worn with box and papers from Timex for four hundred bucks. Yeah, two two x three x retail, and, and that's unfathomable for a Timex general release. A quartz Timex watch. You, you know, and people were saying it at the time, like, "Don't buy this. These are going to be available. Don't buy these at these huge markups." But there was a thing that was happening, and I think it's indicative of. Um, Timex is, you know, this is the thing. So, the, so starting with the Marlin, but then really picking up steam with the Q Timex, this, this was Timex saying, okay, watch people. We see you, we see you and here you go. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and then, you know, I think Timex kind of slowed down from there. They continued to pump Q Timex out because there's only so many machines and and there's only so many resources and they still have ten thousand SKUs that have to be producing. That, that's right, and, and so they're still 
pumping out watches, but they really leaned into that Q Timex. They had the the Eagle Eye or whatever. And they've got seven yeah. iterations of the Q at this point, between a Chrono, the Q, yeah. and, the and they're Golden still coming Eye. out, right? Yeah, I mean they they've got the bezelless, the bezel, and the and a Chronograph yeah. at this point. I I do they have a GMT? Well, yes. Yeah. So. And, yeah, they do. And we're yeah. going to talk about it today. Yeah. And so all of this, all, and, and then along the way, you know, they've got their Giorgio Gali collaborations. And, and a Hodinkee collaboration. That shows how clued in this company has gotten. They they collaborated with Hodinkee. And in the midst of this, they release a couple stinkers, right? Like I think in particular, the one I think about is the American Documents watch, mm-hmm. which was like American made and... Um, it wasn't a stinker. It's a fine watch, but it didn't hit. They release a lot of stinkers. Their entire UFC line stinkers. Sure. They're weird. The American documents was different though, because that's clearly a watch that they released targeted at, at enthusiasts. They have, that didn't, that, you know, the UFC watches, these aren't targeted, but they've done a thing, right? They've, they have made clear that they are going to produce watches for the watch enthusiast. And there's going to be stinkers in that. They have the ass, they have the capital to be experimental. They have a deep catalog from which to draw from. And they're going to throw things out there. And Yep, Documents was pretty not great. Yeah, It was a valiant effort, though, because that could have been really cool. It just wasn't. That That's right. Which is a risk that... Most brands can't afford to take. You know, we see it with new brands all the time where they take a little bit of a risk. And then that brand doesn't ever get to production. Right? Right. I mean, right. But Timex has the ass to be able to take some risks, which makes them really interesting to follow. It also makes them really disappointing to follow because the risks that they take thus far have been stinkers <laughs> yeah well yeah i, I mean uh, and, and look this this I, I think you hit on something there right it, it's it, they're going to take risks and so not everything's going to hit the same way and, right. and i think their 26 millimeter line is dope right <laughs> it, I, I love it so actually what we're doing now is i, I think 2022 has been sort of a a big year for timex it's and, yeah and they've hit on they've hit on some on some things that are that we that we might have expected, right? More Q Timex. Shocking. Some funny collaborations. But also some things that we've already hinted at that were surprising, right? Really good collaborations. And so I think Andrew, do you do you mind if we just kind of dive into this? Landum girl. And and maybe talk about the Q Timex watches that came out in 2022. Cause there's a handful of them. So mm-hmm. starting with your, your question, do they have a GMT Q Timex? Well, Andrew, they do turns out they do. So earlier this year, I think in April or so Timex announced their very first GMT variant of the flagship quartz powered Q Timex. Um, this is it's the first link you sent me. It, this is <laughs> a Q Timex, just like you know and expect. It looks the same. Add a add a GMT hand, matte black dial. Uh, we've got sort of uh, Pan Am colorways. Um, 
Ronda movements, which very cool. Swiss Ronda movements. We've got, um, which is a huge move by Timex and really interesting. Well, and the Q Timex use Seiko movements. Yes. So that they they are are outsourcing their movements for these watches, which adds to the quality. I think in both cases. Yeah, it's it's the best choice. That's. <laughs> Don't use Timex movements for your watches until you can do something comparable to the market. Yeah. And you can't. So don't. And these these GMDs came in at 38 millimeters, right? That's amazing. Yeah, 38 by 12 and a half. So I think the standard, I think your Q Timex is 12 and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, or excuse me, 11 and a half. Yes. These are 12 and a half. So a little bit thicker, which is fine. It ought to be tiny right. little lug to lugs. Um, it's it's to this day one of my most comfortable watches. Yeah, that bracelet's fantastic, it, and it shouldn't be. It's a trash bracelet, but it's money. The lug to lug on it makes it fit perfectly. It it has no business for a hundred and eighty dollars being as good as it is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 220 I think, on a bracelet, 200 bucks on a strap for these these GMTs. And you can get them for less than that, to your point. Yeah, and, and um, we would be handling one, but it's not allowed in studio because of how loud it is. Yeah. Well, it's a Ronda, so I assume it's not that loud. <laughs> well, the, the, the Q Quartz is not allowed in this room when we record <laughs> because we don't need a metronome. <laughs> It's very loud. <laughs> so another Q Timex <clears throat> release from this year. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. Are we talking the Chrono? Yeah. In in addition to a GMT, they they're, they're making the circuit right. Mm-hmm. And now we've got a Chronograph, also two hundred bucks. Q Timex, just like you know and love. This came out. Earlier this year, I don't know exactly when, and it got a lot of play for like two weeks, and then people started talking about it. I don't think that's because it's not a good watch. I think that it's just because it's a quartz chronograph, which... And it got overshadowed by all the other things that happened in 2022. Mm -hmm. You know, Timex is not exciting to people. Well, because it's Timex, right? Exactly. And it, and it, it maybe shouldn't be exciting to people right but this is the q timex as a quartz chronograph still the great acrylic crystal it, all the things you want but still timex and, and i think timex is struggling a little bit with being able to legitimize itself to the to the watch enthusiasts at large. Sure. Though it's producing stuff that watch enthusiasts are saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. They're answering the call, but for some reason, watch enthusiasts are kind of like, ho-hum about it. Mm -hmm. Miss a $200 quartz chronograph. This is, you know. (sighs) And so different than the regular Qtimex, 40 millimeters, so going to be a little bit bigger. Which you'd expect. The thing I like the most about this watch is the big Q at 12 o'clock. Yes. This is is Timex like flexing its design muscle. Not a company that's widely known 
for design. And this is them flexing a little bit like this is this is a cool watch. And we know it's a cool watch. And we're going to show you by way of putting a fat cue with the 12 o'clock marker. I love it, man. It's it's one of the best designed Timex there is. It's dope. And I want to see more of this from the Q line. And I I mean, it has to exist only in the Q line, which means it exists only in the quartz world. But if they could create, if, if they could make Q an entire line and start incorporating non-quartz into it, because I think that'd be a pretty easy pivot to make. The M79, I think, was a bit of a bust, right? It's their mechanical version of things or their automatic version of things, but it's fucking bonkers thick. It's 14 and a half millimeters thick. Yeah. Why? Well, I uh, yeah, I don't know. There's no reason for it. It only has 50 meters of water resistance. There's no excuse for a 14 and a half three-hand automatic movement. <laughs> with 50 meters. There's just no excuse. Yeah. And if they could turn, if they could pivot this cue with that awesome cue at the 12, slim down their case, they've got a really cool line here that plays to hipsters, watch enthusiasts, and normal watch people alike. Because it's attractive. It's got that very 60s and 70s vibe without being fotinaed, without being ridiculous. I, I don't know. I, they have something really special here, and, I, and I'm, I'm excited to see what the future of it holds. And I'm a little scared that they're just going to fuck it up. Yeah. Right? Yeah, well, uh, uh, yeah, have no fear. Uh, no, I have fear. I have some. And we'd be remiss to talk about not to talk about the most important Q Timex release of the year, which is Timex's collaboration with everybody's favorite watch publication, Hodinky. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know what we'd call this. This is sort of a monochromatic, all sort of metal colored. 38 millimeter Q Timex with, with with an homage to a pie pan dial from Timex's history. This is a pie pan dress watch is what mm -hmm. this is with a dive bezel, lovely silver sunburst they, dial. They should have done this without the bezel. They should have done this like the golden eye with the pie pan. I'm, I'm fine with the bezel here. I like the font choices. Um, yeah, I, you, you know, this is, this is another look, um, yeah. citizen movement in this, which is nice. Cause it's a, a fantastic Japanese movement uh, again, you know, starting with Seiko now with citizen movements, they're, they're putting the right stuff in this to make this feel like a watch that you could, that you could be confident buying. Um, I don't have a lot to say about this except that I think it's cool. They 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 did a cool thing this year. They did a couple Hodinky collaborations, right? So we'll move from from this on to their more recent. I'm gonna call it a Tano case. 
And, oh, I, and are I, we talking about the Warnerbaum collaboration? Oh yeah, not not the other Hodinky. The Warnerbaum. They've done the, some uh, co- the other Hodinky Warnerbaum. Yeah, the Warnerbaum. Sorry, I'm not. <sighs> They've done collaborations, which shows that they're they're keyed in to the enthusiast world. So they did a Warnerbaum collaboration, and this is just recently. And this thing has been like all over my Instagram. Everyone's WW75. We're going to call it a Tano case. And and I'm going to call it a Tano case. Nobody knows what a Tano case is. <laughs> Nobody agrees. Basically, if it's not round Ooh. or square, it lands in the Tano case territory. <laughs> we had an in-depth, spirited argument about this very recently. The only thing that we could agree that wasn't a Tano case was the Cartier crash. Not a Tano. Not a Tano. It's a drunk Tano. Everything else wasn't round or square. Tano. Correct. This is a traditional Tano case. I think when I say Tano, <laughs> you're going to you're going to imagine this shaped case. And it's great. And 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 you know, the watch aside because the watch in and of itself is not particularly special. It's a lovely watch. It's a great release. I'm excited for it. It's 200 bucks. I think you can probably still get these. No, I think limited edition one uh, out of 500 and they are. Nope, they're gone. Sold out. Um, but what it showed me was that Timex was really getting into the weeds in the enthusiast world. What do you want? What do you like? And in a collaboration, they get to do all this market research. Hey, these are the things that watch people want. These are the things that watch people like. And we only have to produce 500 watches. And they're going to get sold for us. Exactly. But we get all this knowledge, all this information for future endeavors, for, for research and development on other lines, on other things that we've gotten the works you, you know i think my favorite thing about this watch was that it was this watch that you expect uh to be a a catalog reissue or or something and it's not like this is a totally new watch that looks like it could have been released in 1972 exactly. that's the one um, but it, it wasn't, it's, it's a brand new watch, two very cool colorways. We talked about these when they came out. Yeah, we did. Um, the and black and green was just, is dope. It's just cool, man. If this was a Laurier drop or whatever, you know, it, it's, if it wasn't a Timex, it would feel like, oh my God, look at this really cool thing. I, I think Timex in and of itself sort of, uh, asks for this comparison to other Timex watches. So like, oh my God, this is a Timex and it's amazing. I think these are great. They're sold out, obviously. And uh, I, I love what they've done here. I I have a ton of appreciation for the design decisions that I'm sure were made by or, or, or encouraged by guys at Warren and Wound, guys and gals, I should say. And I'm sorry for mistaking you for Hodinkee. <laughs> And I think this is just a killer watch. Uh, not a ton to say about it besides that, except that. Holy but it's cool, and it, and it shows that it it is the the same innovation as we saw in the Marlin first release. 
like the first iteration of the Marlin, where they're saying, look, we know that there's something here. Doing cool watch shit has a market, and it will sell. It's not going to be 10,000 parts, units, units. That's the word I'm looking for. We're not going to sell 10,000 units. But every unit we produce, we will sell. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's something there. And I think Timex is, is seeing the value in that sure thing sale that exists in appeasing the watch enthusiasts. And can we talk about can we talk about some watches that I don't think are targeted at the enthusiast? Yes. But rather more of a general audience. So there were two. So Timex every single year collaborates with eight billion brands. Mm-hmm. I've counted. It's eight billion. It's eight and a half. And so we're just going to talk about two of them because I think that they, it, it, in some ways, are the same, but also in some ways different. Uh, so, so two collaborations, n- n- not publication collaborations, but branding, cross-branded watches. So, the first one we're going to talk about the is, licensing on that must be so expensive. Yeah, well, I'm sure. So so the first one we're going to talk about, the probably the more expensive licensing agreement, is the Stranger Things yes. collaboration. So Timex released th- three, count them, three Stranger Things collaborations. And unlike a lot of collaborations, they did this, they did these three watches with three different cases three completely different lines so they released an which is unusual even for timex that's right that's right so they released a t80 which is their classic 80s sort of f91 brass steel brass thing which is making a little bit of a comeback right now they also did an atlantis a 1980s resin case sort of everyday sport watch also digital and they did an analog camper, a black cased camper watch, which also a resin case, sort of a, a wire lug looking thing. Um, these are all watches that were worn in Stranger Things by characters. Um, and they're all a little bit different, right? They're we- all super different. They could be three totally independent lines, and it makes no sense. This is the weirdest the strangest thing it is the strangest thing that timex could have done (laughs) it makes no sense and they're all super fucking cool they're all cool i i agree so so the t80 they've opted for just uh i I don't know what you call the basically just a film on the non-business parts of the watch dial which on the t80 there's a lot of also with the Atlantis, the non-business parts of the dial, they've they've adopted this film, kind of like a uh the hole to the upside down. The star yeah. of the show, if you ask me though, Andrew, is the camper. Yes. The camper is the star of the show. This is a black resin cased watch with a black dial, with at first glance absolutely nothing going on it says at 12 o'clock timex it says at six o'clock stranger things and then but other not, than that it is it just a watch but it's not super apparent that it says stranger things it looks like it could be either indiglo 100 meter 
thing. And right? then you look at the numerals. You're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Don't know that makes sense. <laughs> the numerals are upside down. They're in the right positions. But they're in the upside down. Oh, my gosh. But they're upside down. Uh, this watch is rad. These watches are rad. And it, it, it to me, belies a level of detail that is surprising for Timex. In particular, the camper, the T80 and the Atlantis, whatever. Exactly. They make the T80 and the camper. Honestly, they used not exactly the same. We'll call it. We're going to coin a term here. Um, We're going to call it a (laughs) dial cover. Term, I think. A dial cover that exists on digital watches. Okay. Uh, It is the space between the digital dial and the bezel. Mm hmm. That has usually a graphic applied. It's the dial cover. <laughs> the dial cover. There's uh, actually a term for this. I'm 100% certain. Nope. But. We've coined it. Hot take right here. <laughs> uh, and and both of them are cool, right? Both both the, the... So the T80 has the kids riding their bikes in the background as black silhouettes with the, a red moon. An homage to Spielberg. Yeah, exactly. And then the Atlantis has kind of the... Uh, the tentacly uh it's vines. the hole it's the hole it's right, the but butt it has, hole to the upside down but with the hemorrhoids that's right it's prolapse it's it is <laughs> and and then you read the time in the gape <laughs> uh, the then, camper though yeah yeah talk is, about it is just it's nothing you're like why is this? It just says Stranger Things. On it just it. if it just it could also be a hundred meters water resistance, or for a Timex, five meters water resistance. Right? You just don't exactly know what you're looking at. "Quote unquote water resist." Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but then you look at it and you're like, "Oh, these markers are all upside down." The only way they could have made this more appropriate to the design is switch the placement of the hour and minute hand so that the minute hand actually read you the hour. So it was truly upside down, and that would be cool as fuck, which would be a pretty easy at-home mod to do. Yeah. Because you just have to adjust the placement of the hands. That being said, the fonts are really good. Like Just everything about this showed discipline in Timex design department because this could have gotten weird and it could have gotten weird fast, but they were so careful to not overdo it. Restrained. Yeah. Restrained, I think is a good word for what they were. Disciplined, restrained, take your pick. This is the cool one. And as a result, this is the one that's $120 on Amazon right now. The other are 60 bucks. And, and and keeping with their 80s theme, because Timex is perhaps in some ways a brand of the 80s, uh, much like Casio. I, I think I, I think that they they fill that spot very well. Two sides of that coin. Um, another set of T80 releases coming on the heels mm-hmm. of their immensely successful Pac-Man watches also released in the T80. Last year, Timex released a Space Invaders watch, which... Three different T80s, a silver, a gilt, and a PVD. It's not gilt. It's gold. Uh, <laughs> 18-karat gold, Timex T80. Uh, Plated. And, Plated. And, and the dial cover 
The dial cover on these Thank you. has a Space Invaders theme. And this is not special, but it's very cool. And these chime the Space Invaders theme music. And it's also kind of a discreet Space Invader cover. Yeah. The dial cover is discreet as hell. It is apparent when you when you really look at it, but you're not wearing a Space Invaders watch. And I think that's something a Timex has done really well. Is is unlike a lot of other collaborative branded releases. And we're gonna move away from Star Wars because Snoopy and Mickey and all that other stuff. When Time Exercise decides to be discreet in their release, they really are. Yeah. This could be any T eighty, but it's also Space Invaders. Under hundred bucks. Just fucking buy one. I'd like to talk about a watch that Timex released this year that I think is a bit of a miss. They're I, ninety bucks. I don't think this is an American Documents miss, but it, it doesn't it it didn't do anything for me. Okay. Um, we've talked. I think we talked at the end of last year about all of the ocean plastic watches. Mm. Timex this year that released was the thing. Everyone wanted ocean plastic. Collect your water bottles so I can make a watch out of it and save. <laughs> <laughs> the trash island <laughs> this summer timex releases a waterberry ocean plastic quartz watch uh these are i think 90 bucks 100 bucks so uh, under 100 let's find it made of 80, ocean plastic so it's not really under 100 bucks 99 dollars. 100 bucks it's a three-hander um okay fine why is this in the waterberry line why isn't this in the planet o- or not the planet ocean the um uh oh fuck what do they call their diver line um i don't think timex has a proper dive they line. have a weird dive line that's not exactly a dive line i don't know oh look so they made this with the swiss company hashtag tide um and and so these are, are properly made with a good company. They've got fun details, uh, 37 and 42 millimeters. I think these have... The harbor s- sides. Oh, oh, yeah, the harbor sides. With a Mercedes hands and a Cyclops. That's what they should have made it with. I mean, come on. I think these have Seiko movements. Um, they made a handful of them. Or the Navi XL. They just had they had better lines to introduce this into, and they had better colorways. They didn't have to do a faux adventuring dial. Like they 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 it's did. A, the th- it's a plastic. It's a it's a it's an ocean plastic dial. The bracelet doesn't have the same adventuring esque look <laughs> as the dial, which means they didn't have to do it. Right? They they leaned too hard into it. They timexed the shit. Yeah. And it these uh oh nope. These are Timex movements. So fluted bezel, come on. They yeah. just they did uh, Yeah, they, they they really wanted oh okay, so we <clears throat> so that's a flop, but they did all the things they took they took the risk because they could afford to take the risk and it was a miss. I think it's time now and God to bless them talk about What's undoubtedly not a flop. 
what is 100% the coolest Timex of the year and perhaps the coolest Timex ever. And I'm going to give that coolest a capital C. Is it the Expedition North? Yeah, Timex. What the fuck? Titanium. (laughs) Titanium 100 meter legit field watch in the Expedition line. Interesting yeah, I mean, but whatever, you change that. 41 millimeters, yo. But here's the thing. It's f- it is also 12 and a half. 12 and a half thick. Yeah, no, 200 meters of water resistance. I'm yes. sorry. You said 200, didn't you? I think I said 100. I thought I said I thought I heard you say 2. Fantastic um, titanium clasp. But they finally pin. made they they finally made the Timex we all wanted the Timex that we were expecting when we bought the Weekender when we bought the Easy Reader they finally made it they made the Expedition that I've always wanted that's what this is Timex Expedition always looks good always feels good but it's a shitty watch this thing is dope automatic I, movement I could go with the non texture dial right I mean it just just imagine Nah, I could go with the non-texture dial. Sure, I, if, if it didn't have a texture dial, I would have bought one because it is a, a it, it's a pinnacle field watch. Yeah, it's super simple. I'm not a huge fan of the logo at the twelve o'clock, but I totally I get it because love it's the, expedition. the logo. I love it's, the logo at twelve it's o'clock. The the expedition North logo. I want less on a dial. Right, I like I've been on record, and I will go on record again today. I would be totally accepting of a white dial, black markers, single hand movement. I'm totally good with that. This is a watch that works for me, even with its texture dial. It's so simple. It's all the things we'd hoped for in a field watch. Minus the size, it's a little big, forty one millimeters. It's got a Miyota 8000 movement, too, but, I'm tolerant but it's the it. new one with hacking and hand winding. Um, dude. This is it. This Dude. This, if, if And 300, did we say? Did oh, we yeah, say? 300 bucks. 350 bucks. So, so this is like the entry-level fuck-it-all watch. Yeah. This is it. Now, I haven't touched one. And I've read plenty of reviews of, of people speaking positively about this. I mean, I imagine for 350 bucks, there's some there there are some corners that have been cut. But who cares, man? Because you won't wearing this watch. You're gonna be able to do anything you want wearing this watch. As all you have to put a different strap on it. You probably ought to. I imagine the leather is. Yeah, I think it's not leather. It is. They. It's. They. It's one of their eco-friendly. It's dry tan or something. Yeah. Put something else on it. And this is maybe a one watch for somebody who was like, "I spent a little bit of money, but not a lot of money. Want to look pretty okay, but I also want to like be able to swing a hammer in it, potentially hit it with a hammer." This is it. Yeah, this is this bad. is the coolest release that Timex has had since the Q Timex. Because it shows that they're listening. We want the cool shit. Mm-hmm. And they did it for no other reason than the cool shit. And we, and we haven't really talked about 
we haven't really talked about the how good this thing looks either. It looks good. Yeah. It looks good. It is pinched crown guards, super curvy case. Ooh. Looks fantastic. But but like that cur- that long curvy case. Right? Like mm-hmm. like big old hips, long legs. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 With a matte dial, that thing is gonna it's gonna like cause me some issues. You know, the only thing I don't know about this is it what's the crystal made of? Is it a sapphire? <laughs> They is it don't, a sapphire crystal? Yeah. No, it's a sapphire crystal, right? That's which is what it ought to be on mm-hmm. a watch like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dude. No uh, dome on on it. It's just a flat sapphire. It's a touch thicker than I would like it to be. Sure. They could make it thinner. And I think that's maybe what they do in the next years. Is figure out how to make their shit thinner. But she's thick. And I'm down with it. <laughs> a loomed crown? Like, why would they do a loomed crown? Why not? Because it's awesome. Because it's a cool flex that exists for no reason. Now, these things are sold out now. Um, but there is a waiting list. Uh, and and so I'm sure they're going to make more of these. Uh, yeah, very cool watch. Can we talk about one thing real quick, Andrew? Because this, I think has gotten some buzz. They actually are going to be released on the 16th, December 16th, uh, because it's. I think it shows that Timex is experimenting and playing. They hooked up with the Bored Ape Yacht Club, which has an NFT collection. I That's don't, their thing. Is they're, the, they're the NFT collectors. I don't know anything about the Bored Ape Yacht Club. but The Bored Ape Yacht Club. Sure. Buys NFTs um, with their dividends. They uh, do hosted yacht cruises. They rent luxury yachts for all of their investors with their dividends, like as an investing group. God bless for them. vacations. Like it's it's a group, right? It's a it's a it's a group of people who all get together. On these private yachts, they rent with their dividends or sales. I'm not exactly sure how NFTs work. Nope. Um, Because they don't make any sense to me. But they use their earnings to go on these luxury retreats on enormous luxury yachts. Cool. Which is why they're the Bored Ape Yacht Club. Well, so Timex (laughs) hooked up with these people. To release 500, I think, customizable or customized watches, which are all associated to an NFT for whatever it's worth. And it's worth more now, even that we're talking about it. And these things are fine. I mean, they're whatever. They're, I, I don't know anything about the watch. What I do know is that these cost $2,580. I assume a very large percentage of that probably to the tune of about $2,300 is for the exclusivity and or the NFT. I'm not sure it's that's where one the point, line that's is. That's $1.29 million that's going to go toward, you know, we'll say 30% of it to the watch. So um, 
That's one million dollars toward their next luxury yacht vacation, and, 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 f- and fucking you know, pay for it. I, I'm I'm all about I'm all about intangible intangible value, and and so to the extent these have intangible value, maybe it's a good investment, maybe it's not. I don't know. I don't care. Um, but it, and and I won't I won't. I won't comment on that aspect of this, but I want what them it, to go on their luxury yacht retreat. What I think is noteworthy is that it, it's again demonstrative of Timex goofing around. They're playing around. They're experimenting. They're this, trying with the not ten million skew, yeah, fast penny market. I think it's fucking cool. And I'm not educated enough to know if this is a good watch or a bad watch. I mean, the watch in and of itself is whatever. But whether this is a good purchase or not, I I don't know. And I don't think it matters. It just is a sign that Timex is sort of reading the tea leaves, playing, playing games, doing their thing. So here's the question. Has Timex been the void filler that we expected and hoped they would be well i'm going to i'm going to caveat the answer because i don't think that the void that you had suggested at the time you speculated on this I think we disagreed about there's a vacuum w- whether the void actually existed. Um, and, and I think we probably still would, would disagree at least in, in some nuanced ways. Um, and, and the simple answer is no, nobody's filling this void from what I can tell. Nobody's filling the void, the so-called void. Um, Timex is not orient. Certainly Dude, is not. They, they dropped their shit this year. Fuck. An- another company that that we've we've talked about filling that's that that space. Um, but I, I don't think it matters. I'm I'm more impressed by Timex than I have been at any time ever. Yep. Um, I think in particular the Expedition North, but also other things that you know, in in that Warner One collab, those two watches I think are really impressive and really fun, and exciting for someone that has appreciated Timex for the brand, but found Timex wanting in terms of the actual products it puts out. My my Timex Easy Reader purchase in law school was not made. It was a practical decision, right? It's a $35 watch. It's almost a flyer. Uh, and it's cool. Timex is a cool brand and this looks good. And, and that was it, but it was a shitty watch. That's a fucking shitty watch. Mm -hmm. The, 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 the value for the dollars I spent was fine. It, It wasn't a bad purchase because I spent 30 bucks on it or whatever. Yeah. That's fine. Right. It's like, Two afternoons at McDonald's. That's right. That's that's like a beer and a burger at a brew pub. So that's fine. But it was still a objectively shitty watch. Timex is for the first time, you know, in a very long time, making watches that don't suck. And they stand to be, in the next five years, the darlings of the affordable big brands. Yeah. 
they stand to, if they continue this trajectory, if they continue these cool releases, they stand to replace Seiko in the affordable darling category, right? They're never going to replace Seiko because Seiko will always have the coolest, highest tech shit. The coolest. Yeah. But they are in a position and are positioning themselves to be the, hey, man, I'm thinking about, you know, kind of dipping my toes in the watch world. What's a cool first watch? It's not the SKX anymore. And I think they, I think, I think Seiko is in a position to surpass the SNK, to surpass the Mako. The SKX is gone. I think they can beat the five series. They're in a cool position to jockey for that watch enthusiast first watch recommendation which is critical to the watch enthusiast corner of the market. Keep making cool shit, Timex. And you're 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 well underway. Stop putting Snoopy on everything though. Andrew, other things. What do you got? I sent you another thing. I have to look it up. I don't remember what it is. Uh, uh I do have another thing. I have been using this one for just a year it's a piece of winter clothing so a year and a little bit of change uh so i'm a person who lives in darkness for the most part so i have to wear uh cold weather clothing quite often um i'm also one who's like down to try things just to see if they're shitty if it doesn't work and it was cheap. Just okay. Well, that that didn't work. There's a brand on the Amazon called TSLA. Tesla. Not the cars. They have an E. They make thermal long sleeve shirts. And I have dug it. So I got one for last winter just as like a, let's see if it works. And I never replaced it, which means it worked. They are 26, 27 bucks on Amazon, which when you compare it to like other uh, Under Armour style cold gear is pretty inexpensive when you're comparing name brands, right? There's a mm-hmm. bazillion cheap brands out there, right? I can't say this is any better than any of the other cheap brands out there, but this one is money. It isn't piling after weekly washings for an entire winter. And then, you know, whatever, however much of this winter there is, it doesn't, like get like sticky or any of the other weird things that happen with cold weather gear. Mm -hmm. The only thing, the only negative I will say about it is it holds odor. Yeah. 
It, that's that's sort of the bane of this. It it, yeah. it really holds odor. Right. When I wash this thing, I wash it with two Tide Pods. I throw three dryer sheets in it. And when it comes out of the dryer, I hit it with the Febreze odor eliminator. Because that thing stinks. I've heard you can eat those Tide Pods. I've heard you're supposed to eat them and post it on the YouTube. The one, the Tide Pod container now, it says not to. Worry words. But for 20 bucks, these TSLA thermal long sleeve compression shirts really hold their weight against any of the other expensive brands that I've ever worn. I've paid for the expensive brands and I've worn the expensive brands. I've liked the expensive brands. Not any more than I've liked these. Except for the stink. These hold stink in a really different way than any of the other expensive brands that I've paid for. Which might be a deal breaker. Right? I mean, maybe if you're a stinky person inherently, this is maybe, you know, maybe pay the extra money. But for for 27 bucks, if you're just like a medium stink person, these might be worth it. But I, so I, I only have one. And maybe that's the problem is that I wear one and wash it a lot. Maybe separating its wares. Maybe just like wear it once and wash it. I typically wear mine twice before I wash it. Maybe that's the problem. But it's just it. It doesn't smell good, mm. even out of the dryer. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it holds it, and you put it on. It's just like God, it's back. Barring that oddity, this has been a really good cold weather base layer for me. And as a person who is exists in a lot of cold weather. I'd recommend this even with the odor because with layers over top, you really don't notice the odor. That's a weird recommendation, but um, yeah, this is for, for 26 bucks. When you, when you look at, you know, comparable um, name brands for these base thermal layers, mm-hmm. this is a killer price. And it has, yes, I, I often, um, pull the sleeves, which is a full length sleeve. I usually pull it up to my elbow just to get some ventilation. Cause it keeps me hot. Like I, I sweat even outside in it. It's a, it's a warm base layer. So if you're looking for a base layer, a warm base layer, of like maybe too warm, but if you're looking for a really warm base layer and you don't want to spend a lot of money, this is a, good option for you so these tsla thermal base layers it's been working for me and i like it It, they stink this is a weird (laughs) recommendation of another thing they get the funk but they're like it hasn't piled it hasn't gotten weird stretched out it hasn't like like you know the way under armors just like it first wear you're immediately getting the weird uh like like snags uh, snags and and strings pulling out it's it doesn't have that and i don't wear this kindly this isn't like a delicate i'm cold today wear it's getting hard wear and use and it's it's doing its thing just stinks a little bit so if you're okay with stinking but you want to be warm this is money thanks elon yeah thanks elon link in the show notes yeah the link will be in the show notes 
I'm, I will also tell you that I am not as jacked as the guy in the picture. Yeah, no, you are. I've seen you with this thing on. You look great. It, they come in a onesie. That's the one he's describing. Andrew, I've got another thing. Do Can me. I talk about it? My under thing. My, my other Your thing, under thing. My under thing. My other thing doesn't stink. Mine does. Mine uh, actively stinks. I haven't. It, it has to go in the laundry tonight before I go to bed. I um I was recently invited to go skiing, and instead of uh, uh an invitation to go skiing, <clears throat> it was an invitation to go on three separate ski trips, including a three day. Uh, <laughs> what <laughs> in Park City? So I what? am I am skiing this winter, and um. <laughs> And so with that, I realized... Did you get a modeling deal? I did. Which has happened. I did. Uh, with that, I realized I needed to re- refresh my ski equipment, which was non-existent. And so I've done the thing that nobody ever wants to have to do, which is to go buy skis, boots, bindings. Did you go to Berg's? I did. I did. We've got a local company here called Berg's. It's great. Um, it's a, but But it's like... All new shit, right? They don't have like deals or used shit, right? You buy new shit. So they have consignment, don't they? Uh no. And so I went to Berg's and I bought boots, I bought bindings, and I bought skis. Uh I'm gonna talk about one of those things because bindings are whatever, right? Just buy whatever binding they recommend. I disagree. Boots continue. Boots are don't decide what boot you want. Go get fitted for boots and get the ones that feel the best, right? Don't don't look for a boot. Just get the boots that they put on your foot that feels right. Skis, on the other hand, you've got some choices. And I didn't really know what to buy. The last time I looked at commercially available skis was probably realistically 10 years ago. And skis have, oh my God, changed so much. Yes. it. This is incredible for such an old sport that in the last 10 years... 15 years ski design has come so far my mind was blown i had no clue what to do did you get park skis yeah you did i did not way too old to be getting park skis and you did it i did not i did not i got an all mountain ski which is the right decision unless you know exactly what you're going to be doing i got an all mountain ski i got a, a, a ski from a company called focal which is a German company. They've been around for 100 years. They make the, some of the best skis on earth. Um, I've skied Focal before, uh, but I got a pair of the Focal Kendo 88, and these are a new ski as of this year. And they are fast, and they are amazing. Uh, I was a little turned off by the ski when the guy recommended them because they're like a fast ski and they're for kind of an aggressive skier and they really want to go fast. But I was totally blown. Those look like fucking park skis. Uh, They do, right? The design is so much different. So these are, they're not a powder ski, but they've got a big, wide, sort of round, floaty tip. And the guy kind of talked me into him. Like I sort of described how I'd ski. And um, he, you know, I, I was originally looking at a little bit stiffer ski, the sort of flagship focal, the mantra. Focal. M6. Uh, focal. 
I think it's an F sound in German. It's V-O-E-L-K-L. And I, and I don't know how you speak German because I don't speak German. <laughs> but it's not focal, not by a long shot. So I was looking at a... <clears throat> I was looking at a different ski. The guy talked to me into these. I thought these are going to be too fast for me. I got on the mountain. I am blown away by, so it didn't matter if I was going fast. It didn't matter if I was going slow. It didn't matter if I was on hard groomer. I even got into a little bit of ice. I just skied a lot of powder. I skied these a lot only of, have a four to 10 on powder performance. I skied a lot of off piste. Uh, Dude, I don't know if these skis are crazy or if just skis have come so far, but I have never put a pair of skis on and felt so confident at every single thing I did. So here's my other thing. When was the last time you skied? It's been a while. Five years, maybe three years. Five years. At the very least. And you rented skis, I assume, at the last junction? I did rent skis the last couple times I went. I went to Park City and I rented skis for two days. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm blown away. I am blown away by how much better skis are. I put these things on. I took about, I don't know, 45 seconds to kind of get reacclimated. And then it was just like, yep, everything I wanted to do, I could do. I, I mean, I'm not a good skier either, but, you know, I'm not a bad skier, but I'm not like that. I'm not that guy. I was totally blown away. I think if you haven't skied in a while, go check out skis. These are kind of an advance to, you know, advanced to expert ski. And it, I was astonished by how well they worked. They worked well slow. They worked well fast. They worked well when I was getting a lot of pressure on my outski. They worked well when I was kind of like off balance and not quite, you know, pushing. Did they hold their edge too throughout the day? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah there were zero problems. I was blown away. If you're someone who hasn't skied in a few years and you want to get back out there but you're nervous, oh, my God, the equipment is so much better than it was even, even 10 years ago. I mean, it's... Absolutely astonishing. I had the most fun day of skiing I've ever had in my life, having not skied in years. And this wasn't like ideal skiing conditions, right? This was the, this was mm, opening day. The conditions were really good. The <laughs> conditions are good, right? There's a lot of powder. You've got a decent pack, but you don't have like the pack of the year. You don't have like nine feet of pack, some good powder on top of it. This is opening day, right? Opening day is... Yeah, this winter's crazy, though. The conditions were fantastic. Shocking. Yeah. You've skied Bachelor, right? Yeah. 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 I've never skied a bad day in Bachelor. Yeah. We've, we've got... You know, we're on the West Coast, obviously, so we get, you know, you East Coast folks. I'm sorry, but... You got shit for ski. <laughs> like, you, you just don't know it. But you know what? This ski would be fantastic for an East Coast groomer park totally blown away that's my other thing it's not necessarily the kendo 88 but that's what andrew's going to link to it's just new equipment if you haven't skied for a while or you haven't looked at new equipment for a while holy cow man is it i'm 40 i'm 40 i'm kind of overweight at this point and those I look put like the, park skis when i looked at them they look what i and i haven't looked at at snow sport 
they're not equipment in a decade. They're an eighty-eight. They're an eighty-eight <laughs> millimeter, super <clears throat> aggressive all mountain. And those look like like park skis. Totally mind blowing. Wow. Yeah, loved it. I'm no longer equipped for that. You're older than me, and I'm not equipped for it. <laughs> so, that being said, I think we I think we did it. I think we wrapped up Timex this year. Some hopes, some dreams terrible disappointments yeah do you have any thoughts about what what you want to see from timex i want to see timex keep collaborating i want to see timex capitalize on the uh intellectual capital they gain from collaborations Hmm. and i want to see them keep churning out thousand piece releases for the watch enthusiast because they've got a really special catalog for the watch enthusiast will never be their primary target. We shouldn't be. We're not the money makers, hmm. but I want to see them capitalize on that thousand to 2000 piece release for us. Cause they've got some really cool shit. Yeah. And I think for me, I'd like to see them iterate on the expedition North series a little bit. That's a, uh, yeah, they, they're gonna, and I, and I think we'll see some cool shit. I think we'll see a diver next year. And I think that Expedition North Titanium Diver will be really cool. Hey, Andrew, uh, you okay if I take a minute to thank our sponsors? I think you really ought to. So, folks, this episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast, is brought to you by some sponsors. First, we've got Escapement Media. If you're starting a new watch brand or have an existing brand, Escapement Media has your photography and video needs covered. Once you see the photos, you won't be able to escape. Check Escapement out at escapementmedia.com. Foster watches, great effing watches. Check out the 11 Atmos Skin Diver, now on sale at fosterwatches.com. And Franca Fronti Photography, offering images and videos of real watches on real adventures. Your favorite divers from 100 feet below to 14,000 feet up. Now accepting underwater bookings for March of 2023, affrontography.com. Links for all of those available in the show notes. And if you would like to advertise on 40 and 20, the watch clicker podcast, send us an email. Hello at watchclicker.com to discuss those options. And thank you at home for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the watch clicker podcast. And check us out at our website, watchclicker.com. That's where we have weekly articles, reviews, several posts a week at this point. You can also check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20. Well, at 40 and 20 underscore watch clicker and at watch clicker. That's where we post all of the updates for the website and the podcast. If you want to support what we're doing here, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Look, folks, that's how we get the money to keep this thing going. Hosting fees, hardware, software, etc. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.